0: The book of Ephesians, the fourth chapter. This hatred is etched in stone. It can never be erased. No, I I mean this anger is literally etched in stone. I came across the story of Manette Chase at the Citizen Cemetery in Clarendon, Texas. Her story is literally engraved upon the tombstone of her grandparents. I hold in my hand a, a picture of that tombstone. I want to read to you what is etched in stone in Clarendon. Grave markers are in place on this lot. The remains of L.W. and Effa Chase and all their descendants and spouses, with the exceptions of their only granddaughter, Manette Chastical, her spouse, and their descendants. Wow. Grandma and Grandpa Chase bought burial plots for the family, but they want to make certain Lest anyone forget that Manette Chase Gaulle has done something so horrid that neither she nor her spouse nor even her children should be allowed to be buried in the same plot with the rest of the family. What did Manette Chase Gaulle do? I don't know. I've tried to imagine in my mind what a granddaughter could do that would be so terrible that even her own grandmother wouldn't love her or forgive her. It's pretty hard to do something so horrible that granny won't forgive. And her parents wanted to make sure that they could keep the hatred alive even after they were dead. They wanted to make certain that no one would be willing to forget and forgive lest Minette might find herself buried right beside them. I guess it made them feel powerless to ponder that they might lose the ability to keep the fires of hatred stoked after they were gone. It's appropriate that this hatred is etched in the gravestone. A Chinese proverb Says, he who seeks revenge should remember to dig two graves. He who seeks revenge should remember to dig two graves. You're not only bringing your enemy down to the pit of death, but as we ourselves are filled with rage and anger, we deteriorate our own soul and our own heart as well. Now, I want to tell you a lie this morning. Anger is an emotion that you cannot help. Anger is a feeling that you cannot overcome. If you're angry at someone, well, you just can't help yourself. You're human. You have no choice but to be angry. That's a lie. Unfortunately, it's a lie that many people believe. If you believe that you cannot stop your anger, then you are justified in your anger. What kind of philosophy is that? It goes something like this. If we can't help but be angry, then our rage is never our own fault, is it? But if we can help it, if you admit that you can help or stop your anger, then your anger is a choice. And every time you're angry for more than just a moment, you are choosing to continue your anger. One poet of antiquity said, Revenge is always the pleasure of little and narrow minds. Revenge is always the weak pleasure of little and narrow minds. In fact, it has been said that the measure of a person is what it takes to make him or her angry. We are feeding our souls today more than ever before, an unhealthy diet of outrage. A book was recently written entitled, Christians in the Age of Outrage, How to Bring Out Our Best When the World's at Its Worst. Have you met someone who's angry all the time? His anger probably goes way back somewhere to the cobwebs in the family closet. But he is angry or she is angry. They walk around angry at life and everyone in their life. They have their feelings on their sleeve, just waiting to be hurt. Always angry. Can't ever keep him happy. the anger spills over to all the innocent ones around him. A couple of weeks ago, I heard the story of Dr. Richard Sumi. He was a pastor in Houston. He was having a famed Bible preacher coming to his church for a conference. They felt lucky to get this famed Bible preacher. And before one of the meetings, he took the famed evangelist out, the Bible teacher out to a restaurant to enjoy a meal together. And well, by accident, the waitress spilled some water all over the famous Bible teacher. And he got mad. He got really, really angry. He let the waitress have it. He gave her what for, told her she needed to stop being careless. If she was going to be a waitress, she needed to have a certain set of skills. It went on and on and on. She went back to the kitchen to get a towel to try to make amends for the spilt water on the Bible teacher suit. And Dr. Sumi said to his guest preacher of the week, now when she comes back, I want you to witness to her about Jesus. When she comes back, I want you to witness to her about Jesus. He could not do it. His rudeness and attitude had destroyed his witness. That's worth all of us keeping in mind. Well, when that Plane doesn't take off, or that plane is late. How we treat the person behind the counter who has nothing to do with it. We never can get to the real person, can we? How we treat her, how we treat him shows who we are. How we handle people in our life at the counter, at the table, at the retail store shapes our witness. We all need to hear that word from 1 Corinthians 13, love isn't rude, it doesn't put other people down, love is not nasty. We will never win people to Jesus by shouting at them, ever. We never will. Christians, on the other hand, we should be the barriers and the carriers of the fragrance and the essence of the Christ. Interestingly enough, if you really look at it, anger is never the primary emotion, you need to look beyond your anger to see what the primary emotion is behind this secondary emotion. Well, there's three roots of anger. One of them is hurt feelings. When we're hurt, we become angry. When we feel rejected by someone, belittled by someone, left out by someone. In fact, Dr. Les Carter says we look closely. We'll, detect a fair amount of grandiosity behind our anger. We can't believe that anybody would treat us that way. How dare she? How dare he? And next thing you know, because of our inflated egos, we're hurt and then we become angry. But anger is not our first feeling. Or there's the trigger point of frustration. Frustration leads to road rage Have you noticed how impatient drivers are becoming in Amarillo these days? If you haven't noticed it, if you'll start out around the Loop area at seven o'clock on any workday morning and you head north on I-27 towards downtown, you'll discover it on your first drive in. Everybody is impatient and angry. In fact, drivers bob and weave and honk, and let's just say gesture. Drivers bob and weave and honk and gesture as they go to work. They drive as if, get this, think about it. They drive as if they are a fighter pilot and a U.S. jet for the Air Force, and the rest of us are driving Russia, flying Russian MiGs all around them, and they're bobbing and weaving and well, it's just ridiculous. Impatient, and rude, and selfish, and childish. They cut you off, they won't let you in, and they ride your bumper. And that's just right here in Amarillo. Imagine the big cities. Well, all the construction, the frustration, we're late, and we acted out in our car. And then we have the little First Baptist sticker right there on the back of that car, and a little magnet there. little little fish there on your car. (laughs) Well, another primary emotion is fear. Lurking behind our anger is often the feeling of fear. Maybe you shout at the driver because you're afraid your car might get damaged. Maybe you're angry at a lazy employee because you're afraid that her underperformance, his underperformance will reflect upon you. Corey Richards, a licensed mental health counselor, has concluded that most of his clients with anger are actually afraid of something. They're afraid of losing control. They're afraid of being taken advantage of. They are afraid of being ignored. Dr. Michael J. Duckett, founder of Professional Income Solution, says, You cannot be angry without being afraid of something. If you want to resolve your anger, then discover the underlying fear. Now, I have a friend. Well, he's actually sitting in this room. It's a male friend, and he's terrified of mice. Now, if I were to bring a mouse to his office and let the mouse out, he would jump and scream. And well, he might try to smile, but it would make him angry because he is afraid of mice, and I have triggered his fear, and his fear would make him angry. You know someone's fear. You cross that boundary line, and I promise you the result will be they will be angry at you. So your anger, my anger, it's not our primary emotion. It's hurt feelings. It's feelings, frustration, or fear. Well, what does Paul have to say to us this morning about anger from the book of Ephesians? First of all, he tells us that anger should be a momentary emotion. Look at verse 26. Anger should be a momentary emotion. Be angry and yet do not sin. Do not let the sun go down on your anger. Anger should be a momentary emotion. If you're not careful, you'll not become angry. You'll be angry. You'll not get angry. You can live a life where you are angry. I know a man who's always angry. All of his stories about somebody doing him wrong and how he set them straight, and he's mad at this person, mad at his kids all the time, mad at this institution, disappointed at that institution. He is just always, always angry someone asked me, what makes him so angry all the time? Why does he think the whole world is broken and he has been sent to fix it? Why is he so, so angry? He's an angry, angry man. Anger becomes like a drug, doesn't it? You can enjoy being angry. You can enjoy for a moment feeling sorry for yourself. It makes you feel good. It's like a drug, but in a little while, in the end, it's deadly. It's kind of nice to lick those wounds where people have hurt us, to savor all the wrongs committed against us that others have done to us to pout. In fact, anger can become a way of life. A man who was having trouble controlling his anger went to see a Christian counselor He had these outbursts of anger. His outbursts were, well, impacting his performance at work, impacting his relationships with his wife and his children. And finally, in the midst of all the talking, the counselor looked him in the eye and asked him, what would life look like if you got rid of your anger? What would life look like for you if you got rid of your anger? If you decided you're not going to be an angry person anymore, what would life look like to you? He was quiet for a moment. And then he said, but if I let go of my anger, what will be left? If you let go of your anger, what will be left in your life? You finding yourself an angry person. In fact, not only does Paul tell us this to be a momentary emotion, he gives us a specific timetable a day. The sun, which marks the beginning of a new day, must not witness yesterday's outburst. The sun, which marks the beginning of a new day, must not witness yesterday's outburst. Dragged over anger from one day to the next is inappropriate anger. As you hold on to yesterday's anger, as you grab to yesterday's wrongdoing, it will destroy your relationship of love with somebody. Those little Moments of anger pile up from one day to the next. Eventually, every relationship in your life will be tested with the necessity of forgiveness. Eventually, every single relationship in your life will be tested with the necessity of you giving forgiveness. Do you see how the Lord forgives? What does the Lord say when He forgives you? I remember. His sin, I remember her sin no more. God relates to us after He has forgiven us as if we have never committed that sin. Is the message from the cross of our dying Christ Father, forgive them. They don't know what they're doing. There's that one kind of anger, that powder keg anger, boom, you explode, and the next morning you're over it. And actually, that's the healthiest kind of anger. The other kind is that old crock pot anger. It just simmers and simmers and simmers and carries over from day to day and week to week and month to month. And the simmering hostility on low boil will be a destructive force in your life relationships. Well, the second thing we see is anger often leads to other sins. Look what he says in verse 27. And do not give the devil a foothold. Do not give the devil an opportunity. Do you remember the first story of anger in Scripture? It's the story of two brothers, Cain and Abel. They both bring sacrifices to God, and God rejects the offering of Cain because of Cain's attitude. In fact, if you go back in Genesis, the word anger is used a lot. It says, and Cain became very angry. And then it says, God asked Cain, why are you angry? And then God says, right now, anger is crouching at your door, Cain. Cain, if you'll change your attitude, I'll accept your gift. But I want to warn you, anger's going to try to lead you down a destructive path. Well, Cain didn't take the warning of God and anger entered his heart. And he murdered his brother, Abel. There are people who will die today because today, because someone does not control his anger. There are people who will share gossip and tear down someone in their life. We might not pull the trigger, but we will wag the tongue, won't we? Bring her down a notch because I'm angry with the way she treated me. Have you ever tried to deal with someone who's really, really angry? In fact, Greek philosophy defined anger as short madness. Someone is in that stage, a rage of anger. They really have gone mad for a while and you really can't even reason with her or reason with him. You have to wait until they've cooled off before you can get anywhere in making amends. When we get angry, We say hurtful words that we don't mean. Our sin of anger turns into the sin of attacking the very ones that we love. If you had the experience where you're angry at someone and you opened that door, the next step of tearing that person down. You lost your temper. And afterwards, someone said, you were so angry, I didn't even recognize you. Or maybe your child has said, daddy, I was afraid of you yesterday. Have you ever had that kind of anger in your life? Anger will destroy your relationships. Well, it's not only the Apostle Paul, it's also the Proverbs. The proverbial sage says in Proverbs 14, an angry person will do foolish things. Or Proverbs 29, a hot tempered man commits many sins. Anger never stops there. Anger, prolonged anger, when you let the sun rise on your anger, it'll lead to another sin. There's a third thing I want you to see. Anger takes the next step and becomes bitterness. Look at verse 31. Let all bitterness and wrath and anger and clamor and slander be put away from you along with all malice. Anger becomes bitterness. Who are you angry at this morning? With whom have you become bitter? you're giving him, you're giving her rent-free space in your head, and you, you wake up thinking about how he hurt you or how she hurt you, and then you think about how you might be able to hurt her back or hurt him back, and really all day long, day after day, he or she is living rent-free in your head because of your bitterness or your anger, and the reality is you're not destroying him or her at all. You are eating your own self alive. Stop being bitter. Are you carrying poison from your childhood? Is it an ex husband? Is it an ex wife? Is it a boss who demoted you or fired you? Is it a father, a son, a mother, a daughter? Are those words they said to you that just ring in your mind? You can't get them out. I hate you. Don't you ever come back? Forgive. Forget. Move forward. Paul says, put away bitterness, put away wrath, put away anger, put away clamor, put away slander. Notice anger and slander go together for Paul as well, along with all mouths. Well, there's the last thing I want you to see. Anger should be replaced by forgiveness. Look at verse 32. Anger should be replaced by forgiveness and be kind to one another, tenderhearted, forgiving each other, just as God and Christ has also forgiven forgiven you. The wonderful thing about being a follower of Jesus is that we're advantaged over the world. We have the reason and the right to forgive because God has forgiven us. We are the forgiven people as followers of Christ. We know what it feels like to be forgiven. And therefore, as God forgives us, we are in freedom to forgive each other. Did you deserve God's forgiveness? Of course you didn't. But God forgave you anyway. Does your friend deserve your forgiveness? Perhaps not. That doesn't give you the option not to forgive. You see, how has God forgiven us? Notice what he says here. God in Christ has forgiven us. You don't have to forgive your family member or your friend because they deserve it or because they've asked for it. You forgive them because God has forgiven you in Christ. You forgive her. You forgive him because of the, cri- the, the cross of your Christ. We must replace our anger for forgiveness. I have no idea what Manette, Chase, Stigall did in Clarendon, Texas that was so awful that her grandmother and grandfather didn't want to even be buried next to her. That's taking it to the grave, isn't it? But I do know their life had to be worse for the bitterness, but not just her life. I dare say the life of her grandparents or worse, for it too. What if they had chosen to forgive? What if that long-seated bitterness had melted away at the foot of the cross of the Christ? What if grandmother had reached out not because the granddaughter deserved it, but because she wanted to show her how God loves her and how Christ forgives her and embrace that prodigal granddaughter? Well this story had a, had a different ending because... Someone had come in contact with the power of the cross of the Christ. Let us pray. Lord, perhaps in every heart here today, there's anger on which far too many suns have gone down. Today, we want to deal with our anger before the resentments in our hearts gnaw away at the foundation of the relationships we treasure between husband and wife and parents and children, between brothers and sisters and friends. So today we we lay before you the anger we've been carrying. We lift it up, we put it on the table. Perhaps there's a person with whom we are particularly angry this morning. Perhaps that anger is well-founded and it's a just anger. Father, we pray that you would help us to release this person to the hands of your justice Your word has said, vengeance is mine, and I will pray, says the Lord. Help us to release those people whom have done us wrong into your hands so that we can get on with our lives. Help us to go back right now in our minds and slice away the hurtful deed from the person who performed it. Remind us again that when we forgive, we set free a prisoner, and the prisoner we set free is ourselves. To the power of the cross, give us strength to release our anger and to forgive. In the wondrous name of Jesus Christ, who showed us how to forgive his enemies, we pray. Amen.